This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today is Bob Schaff, a marketing consultant who understands the importance of connecting with other people. Bob works with his clients to help them improve customer and employee satisfaction and loyalty. When you watch Bob walk through a room of strangers, you can see that he is a master networker. He interacts with individuals of all sorts, helping them to relax and to start engaging with other folks in the room. It's clear that he does know how to connect. Bob says that he didn't start out that way, however. In his younger days, he was very shy, and sometimes he felt isolated. But Bob learned how to be a connector and how to turn that skill into making sales and friends. Today, he'll share practical tips about how you can learn to build relationships and leave your customers and colleagues eager to work with you again. Bob, when you and I first met, you were leading a group of um, strangers. We were all taking an early morning walk. It, it's a ritual at the wonderful wellness um, resort Canyon Ranch in Tucson. Now, over the years, my husband and I have taken quite a few vacations at Canyon Ranch, and we almost always do that early morning walk. It's a, it's a great ritual at 6 or whatever time it is that we get out there. And I've noticed that the leaders of the walks are always great guides, they're articulate, and they're friendly. But it is the morning, and this isn't a setting where a lot of people are getting to know each other. Then, um, oh, a couple months ago, I was on a walk, and you were the leader. And um, even though it was early in the morning, and a lot of people are still kind of half awake, I started watching you because somehow or another, you were connecting with the people on the walk, kind of one by one, they would come up to you as the leader in this long row of people, or you'd ask about them or something. And I could see people relax and conversations were starting. So I kind of um, tried to walk up a little closer so I could hear what you were doing. And I thought, oh, this guy's got to be in sales or something. He is such a natural at getting people talking to each other and engaging. And um, so after I had eavesdropped on you for about half an hour, I finally came up and introduced myself and found out that you are a pro at this. But here's what I was wondering when I was listening to you. Were you lucky enough to just be um, born that way? Or were you consciously trying to do something you'd, you'd learned? What's your story? Are, is this just how you've always been? Uh, no, I was not born that way. I was born innately shy. And throughout all my life through high school, um, I did not have any of these connecting skills. I had very few friends in high school. I studied a lot. Got good grades, went to college, enrolled in electrical engineering at the University of Arizona, and more of the same. 
Uh, my studies took priority over building relationships and friends. And then I got my big break. I got a job upon graduation with IBM Corporation. And through a 26-year career with them, IBM taught me so many skills about how to speak, how to connect, how to manage, how to sell, how to make relationships and build relationships. And that was a gradual evolution for me. And now that I've had a chance to look back on that, was that set of experiences, I find connecting with people challenging, fascinating, and often rewarding. And the more rewarding it was in my experiences, the more I wanted to do it. And you know what? The better I got at it, too, because I always wasn't good at this. And now I found ways to, to through asking questions, starting a conversation, uh, to finding common points of interest with others. And when you find that common point of interest, something you have in common, then the conversation takes off from there. And I find that enables conversations, it enables connecting, it enables dialogues. And that's what it's all about. That's it, how relationships are built. Well, it, it sounds like it's something that you learn to love as well. Because when I was watching you, I noticed uh, we were walking at a brick, brisk pace, um, but uh, you were still totally relaxed and you were doing it for fun. Sometimes out of breath, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but but there was you weren't doing this for a business purpose or something like that. You, this was how you were starting your day. Do you um, do you continue to kind of push yourself to do this, or or do you now? Is it just part of you? Well, it's become part of me, but it's because it's so rewarding. I mean, I get an opportunity in this job at Canyon Ranch and in other, other responsibilities I have to connect with people that have far different um, experiences than I have. People from Canyon Ranch, at Canyon Ranch come from all over the world and they have all kinds of different things, but also it's pretty easy to find things we have in common. I've met people uh, that have been, lived on the same street that I did in different cities, in different years. And that sparks a whole bunch of conversations. I just find it rewarding. That's why I do it. It's fun. It, it makes people, me and the person I'm talking to, it makes them smile. Well, can you tell us how you went from being an engineer, as you said, and then you got into sales, and now you're a marketing consultant? How did you kind of go through that transition? Uh, practice, uh, training. I learned uh, skills in my IBM career and then and afterwards also that helped me do that. I learned how oftentimes soft skills are so important. And I, let me define what I mean by soft skills. It's smiling. It's looking people in the eye. It's a firm handshake. It's calling them by name. It's asking them a question. It's finding something in common. It's thanking them. It's the words you use. And those are the things that open up people to more conversations, to doing more business as a company or to building a stronger friendship. And once you have that and you realize how effective it is because it makes people feel special, then you do more of it. And so it was a gradual evolution, Bab. It, it was not something I, I started out with, but it's something I learned over time. And the more I learned, 
And the more I'm rewarded by those experiences, the more I do it. I love practice. I love the name of your firm, Customers for Life Consulting. I I think um, anybody who has a business probably loves the idea of Customers for Life. But even outside of um, business, I, I think it's wonderful to think that when you're making kind of casual contacts one day, you can have the possibility of turning those over to friendships, connections that'll last for a long time. But back to the the customers for life, how does this ability to connect, and I want to get into kind of more some more specifics about starting points for that, but how does this ability to connect turn into customer relationships? What is it that customers want beyond a friendly face? What what do you teach people to actually do to keep those customers? Well, I've I've evolved to a uh, to a set of practices that really helps, and I call it remarkability, the ability each of us has uh, to be remarkable. And let me, let me define that. And wait, wait, let me talk about the outcome. If if you're remarkable, you differentiate yourself. You set yourself apart from other people and you attract others to you, and you build a relationship, and the relationship results in trust, and when you have trust with another person, the barriers are down, and you dialogue more. So here's my five-step suggestion. I call it uh, how to be remarkable. You can be remarkable if you go out of your way to make it easy for others in your life, no matter where you come in contact with them, if you go out of your way to make it easy for them to connect with you, to dialogue with you, to talk with you, not at you. And when you have those kinds of conversations, a relationship begins. And when those conversations add value, they are they become even more impactful. And when every so often when they're unexpected or a surprise or a wow, it really uh, strengthens the relationship. We all know when some, we were in a time-crunched society today. There's so much pressure to balance work life and personal life and married life and spiritual life and physical life. We just are running out of time. And when that happens, oftentimes the desire to be inefficient but very effective. And I think building relationships is very inefficient because it takes time, but it's so effective. And so when people go out of their way for you, you recognize it. When people make it easier for you and save you some time, you recognize it. And when those two things happen, you can start a conversation more easily. So I think that's the first two steps. Go out of your way for others, help others by making it easier for them to do whatever task there is at hand. And uh, then the conversation starts. And when that starts, then you can add value because you learn what they like or need or want. And you can talk about things that you can offer them. Uh, a great example is when you uh, fly to Canyon Ranch and what, what if your best friend came to you and said, hey Bev, uh, I understand you're going on a trip next week. How about if uh, I take you to the airport? How about if I take you to the airport and you won't have to park your car and I'll pick you up when you get back? Oh my gosh. 
That would be that's a big really, deal. That's really neat. And if somebody did that for me, I would appreciate it. Whether I accepted it or not is a whole other story. But the offer that made me feel like they are going out of their way for me and they're making it easier for me. That's the kind of person I want to be friends with. And guess what? Next time he or she has a similar trip to the airport, I'll take them. Well, don't you think some sometimes it takes um, considerably less than that? That particularly oh, sure. in big cities, people are so lonely and isolated, and you can go for a whole day and you don't feel like anybody's heard you. Just kind of listening and being interested can be almost a gift, can't it? Absolutely, yes, yes, and it's it's it seems to be more and more rare in our society because our we're being taken over by iPhones and Twitter and Facebook and the personal connection is uh, more rare. And because it's more rare, it's more appreciated when it happens. So one of the things you mentioned when we were just um, chatting the other day is that when you're someplace and you're meeting a lot of people, maybe you're uh, meeting with customers or their employees or something like that, and you're trying to get to know people, you're always looking for something you have in common. And you actually, um, maybe after the conversation, make a few notes, right? So that you will can use that in the future because knowing something about a person is a way to um, show that you're focused on them. Is that right? That's right. And, and I, like many people, don't have a great memory. And so when I find something out about a person, like it's their birthday or it's their wedding anniversary or that they're going on a, on a vacation to San Diego or their son or daughter is in a swim meet, I write that down and I put it in a, uh, in a file. And, and for me, it was, it's just an Outlook contact list. And I write it in there, and so next time I'm with that person, I can remember it, and I can use that. I can use it to remember their, their anniversary. I can use that to ask them how Johnny did in the swim meet. I can ask them how their vacation was, and people's jaw drops open when that happens because nobody does that, and it's just a, it's a discipline. It's a choice you make. I mean, do you want to take the time to do that? And if you do, you can remember these things and, and use it in conversations and the dialogue starts. If you don't, I don't do it all the time either. But when I do, the rewards are great. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. What are some other things that you'd suggest to people who are um, trying to 
to build relationships, maybe not even so personal, but relationships with customers. Are there some some fast ways other than um, shared um, backgrounds that, that you can connect with people so that they'll remember you or feel good about you when you bump into them again? Oh, there's lots of ways to answer that question. Um, I think that this idea of being remarkable and connecting with others is a choice. It's completely voluntary. And it has little or no cost. And I don't think that anybody gets up in the morning, a customer or a, or a company or a person, I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to give bad service today, or I'm going to not be friendly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm on a walk at Canyon Ranch and I'm not going to talk to any of the guests. They don't do that, but they do get up in the morning and say, I'm choosing not to give great service. There's a big difference between those two. And when you choose not to give great service, you don't go out of your way. You don't make it easy. You don't connect with other people because you get by at the minimum requirements of the job or of the interaction, which is little conversation. And that, that alone, if you can create a, an environment in a company with your employees that, that encourages positive choices, choices to give great service whenever you can, and give them examples of ways they can do that and reward them and the teams when they do that, then you can grow a culture in a company or in a, an organization that, that gets better over time. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen with the flavor of the month program that management sets out to make things wonderful. It, it takes time and it takes training in a company environment, takes training of the workforce. And it isn't just a 30 minute presentation or an all day seminar. It's like we use in Arizona. We use a technique to water our plants called drip irrigation. And instead of flooding the lawns with, with water, we drip, drip, drip. That's the way to train. That's how you train employees to work with customers? Yes, five minute increments, just five minute increments and then and repeat and repeat and repeat. And over time, if you reward that behavior, the employees will pick up on that and it will become part of their personality and their practice. Did I answer your question? Um, you did, but I have a feeling uh, that there's, there's always more to talk about on this front. We're talking around something that I think is an interesting topic for people who are in sales, and I, I kind of think that even if you're inside a big government agency, we're all in sales. We're all trying to uh, uh, have our product uh, be desired by other people. But you you can't just look at customers. It 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 seems to be the current thinking. You have to be thinking about employees and customers at the same time, because. Uh, Unhappy employees are not going to make good sales, right? That's right. And it's impossible to deliver good or great customer service as a company without employees that can't wait to get to work in the morning and that feel fulfilled and inspired when they get there by their management team. 
so, to do those kinds of things. So when, when you go in um, to a company, how do you gauge um, how employees are feeling? Do you start by asking them what they think? That's a great question. When I started my consulting business after I left IBM, the first thing I did, because I was so smart and so experienced when I was starting my customer service company, uh, I started by going to customers and talking to them and finding out what the customers wanted. And for some, and I take take it back to management, and everybody would share, and we'd have a big employee meeting, and and there'd be balloons and music, and and everything would be great for the first week, and then next week a little less, and next week a little less. It didn't work over and over. It didn't work. And what I discovered as a consultant is that you need to start with the employees first, and then talk to customers. And the way I do that. The thing that has worked for me so well is I, I meet with employee group after employee group at a company, and I ask just two questions, one-on-one. And they talk to me because I'm not part of their management team. They'll talk to me, and this, these questions are very uh, non-threatening. I ask the employees, what do you like best about working here? And I write down their answer, or I record their answer. And then the second question is, if you were in charge, if you were head of the company, what one thing would you start or stop or change that would make this a better place to work or a better place for our customers to come? And you'd be amazed at the kinds of answers I get and the great positive answers. And I take all of those and there'll probably be a hundred of them, hundred suggestions for how to get better. And I take them to the management team and I said, okay, pick three. Pick three because nobody, no company, nobody can do anything more than three things at a time. So they pick three and we start doing them in the company. And we put the people who suggested those ideas in charge of implementing them in the company. And they are, have a vested interest then in making their idea work. And if those two or three things start to work, then we can do the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. And then we turn over to customers once the employees get that. And we ask the same thing of the customers. It's, it really, really works. I was reading somewhere on your website um, something that made a lot of sense. I don't remember exactly the context, but you said sometimes you can start with a touch point analysis. You can mm. look at the times customers and employees interact or the... Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about how, in a simple way, you might start that. This is, this is so simple and so effective. I would ask the management team in a company to gather a group of employees. doesn't matter how big. It could be a department. It could be multi-departments, but a group, five or ten people, and ask them to identify every single touch point that the company has with customers. And they'll come up with a hundred 200 things. It's the way you answer the phone. It's the signs on the door. It's the, what, how the parking lot looks. It's how you answer the phone. It's, it's how you invoice people. How hundreds, every time you come up with a touch, every time you touch a customer, when they, when they pay their invoice, when they, you deliver their proposal, there's hundreds of them in every single company. And once you identify all of them, you ask for ideas on how, for each one of those touch points, how could we do it just a little bit better? 
for example, answering the phone. So often, phones are answered. ABC company, to whom may I direct your call? That's terrible. There's a better way to do that. For example, ABC company, this is, this is Dorothy. How may I help you? And you've identified the company, so the call is in the right place. You've told them your name. And when you tell somebody your name, they typically say, hi, Dorothy, this is Bob. And if Dorothy and Bob know each other, they can have a conversation. If they don't, then at least Dorothy can talk to Bob by name. And when Bob says he'd like to speak to uh, the vice president of marketing, Dorothy can say, Bob, I'll be glad to connect you with uh, Paul Jones. Just a moment, please. And stay on the phone until Bob answers. So let's go. Yeah, let's go back to um, this image I have in my head of when you were leading this um, big group of guests down a path in the desert at Canyon Ranch. And what I noticed is that um, was how you were making people feel with just your questions or your expression of interest or your attitude. You were making people feel better. So is part of what you're looking at when you're looking at the touch point, not only what gets done, but how you leave the other person feeling? Yeah, I think I've just learned that about human nature. People crave attention and praise. They want to be made to feel special. That's more valuable to employees or to anybody than money. That's what we all want. If somebody says something nice to us, I, I would say 80% of the time, if I give a person at Canyon Ranch or anybody in my life a compliment, a sincere compliment, they respond and they smile and they end up feeling better about themselves. We don't, we don't take, like I said earlier, we're in a time crunch world. We don't take the time to show appreciation a thank you, or uh, make people feel special because it's a nice blouse they're wearing or, or, gee, that was a great answer to whatever question you asked me. Anything that makes them feel special because we all want to feel special. It, and to me, that's been the biggest uh, epiphany I've ever had. When I, my son and his wife-to-be at the time, the, day of their marriage, asked me in the reception line, she, she, mom and dad, Linda, my wife Linda was with me, what advice do you have for us? What, what, what can we do to have a marriage like yours that has lasted as long as yours? And my answer was so simple. Try every day, each of you try every day to try, make the other one feel special every day. And when you do that, the relationship will build and get stronger. And I think that's the best advice you can give any newly married couple. Or anybody, anybody. yeah, just about anybody. Anybody who's trying to have a wider circle of relationships or maybe a lot of our listeners are um, focused on their career at the moment and they're looking for advice maybe because they're searching for a job or something uh, like a promotion. It it sounds like uh, what you can a starting point if you want to bring some new energy to your career is to just go through the day looking for opportunities to connect 
with people, some way you build a bit of a relationship and you leave the other person feeling a little more positive? Is that a good summary? Exactly right. You asked early in our conversation, you said, Bob, do you have something simple you can share with our listeners? Is there anything more simple than make others feel special? And one of the ways, one of the best ways you can make people feel special is to show interest in their lives, what they're doing, what their hobbies are, what their job is. People love to talk about themselves. And when you can have the frame the conversation to where you can get a, a guest at Canyon Ranch or an employee or anybody in your life talking about themselves, then you find common points of interest. You can respond in kind, and in the conversation, the dialogue goes. It's so simple, but it, it takes practice, and it takes a choice. When you, were, when you were starting this practice, after you'd had your epiphany and you knew you wanted to connect with people, did you sometimes find yourself thinking, this is just too hard, or I feel like an idiot? I mean, it's not that easy it the beginning uh, for for people who've been kind of shy, is it? That's right. It was hard. It was really hard. But the more I did it and the more I I did it poorly, the better I got. There's a famous saying, you know, fill, fill in the blanks. Anything worth doing is worth doing fill in the blank. Well. And I disagree. I think anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. The first time you give a speech is going to be the worst speech you ever give. The first time you hit a serve in tennis is the worst you'll ever hit a serve. The worst time you'll ever play golf is the worst time you'll ever play golf. And so if you want to, if, if you want to do well, you have to go get through the doing poorly part. Absolutely. I, I, I do agree with you. The, the old phrase is anything worth doing is worth doing well, but the way you get to well is doing it a hundred times or at least yes. risking yes. failure. And getting better and forcing yourself to get better through practice. Okay. Well, I think that is, um, that's a, a, a good theme um, to finish up on. It we all can learn to be connectors and no matter where we are in our careers or in our um, lives, we can always get better at connecting with other people, right? That's right. And it's very rewarding and it's fun. Well, it's been fun talking with you, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for the opportunity, Bob. It's been my pleasure. Today, we've been talking with Bob Schaff about how you can learn to connect with other people and how that skill of connecting can transform your career. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that a starting point for building relationships is to listen to what other people have to say and maybe even make some notes so that you can remember their interests and concerns. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends. And if you have suggestions for great guests, please email me at beverlyejones at me.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E. J-O-N-E-S 
at me.com. Thank you.